<laughs> okay, so starting the recording in three, two, one. I'm Marcy. And I'm Akko. And welcome to the Color Pages Book Club, a bi-weekly podcast that focuses on fiction, fantasy, and magical realism written by writers from colorful backgrounds. Woo! Colorful backgrounds. Yes, that's right, y'all. And mm. we're back again. Another episode. Here we go. It's a little bit of horror, a little bit of haunting. Like, is it horror? Like, is it? <laughs> I feel like, I mean, they're horror. <laughs> Look, it's October, okay? We always so. do this. Last year we were like, oh, map in the interior. Y'all ain't ready. And it like it was good, but like not that scary. Right. It was more like a philosophical <laughs> question. A horror right. and aging. <laughs> uh, so we tried this time, but you know, whatever. Yeah. It's interesting, actually. I feel like that's something to discuss, like the other elements of horror that come in and can mm. can a book really be horrifying? Like, is it a medium that inspires terror when you read? Maybe a little. Hmm. Anyway, today we'll be reading Yang Chi Chu's <laughs> The Ghost Bride. <laughs> Realized hadn't said the name of what we were doing and what we were reading. Okay, a little about the author. So, Yang Chi Chu is a New York Times best-selling novelist and fourth-generation Malaysian Chinese author. Due to a childhood spent in various countries, she can eavesdrop badly in several languages, as she puts it. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and after graduating from Harvard University, she worked in various corporate jobs with a briefcase while writing fiction <laughs> on a coffee table at home in her spare time. I love that. I She's very funny to me. Her book, Ghost Bride, is also a Netflix series, so maybe we'll watch that for part too oh cute okay okay i'm i'd be down i'd be down to check it out yeah, you know like a little compare and contrast you know see what happens yeah maybe also not the very whole much thing. Can right <laughs> <laughs> definitely definitely also can definitely relate to being like oh look at me corporate job boop 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 but then just like i don't know like writing fiction and just like being a whole person outside i just that really speaks to me <laughs> yeah i feel like we're all kind of doing a bruce wayne batman thing and like late stage capitalism where we're like oh, oh god. gotta take this briefcase to work and then at home we're like take off like our suit and we like put on our like creative crime fighting masks right we but like put maybe... on our like giraffe onesies and like i don't know like, <laughs> watch cartoons it's just and just are silly um it's and i'm true. like wow it'd be funny if we could be this like this all the, the time. time uh but, you know, <sighs> capitalism divorces pleasure from labor, so there is that. Right. Speaking of the division of capitalism... <laughs> <laughs> My God. Everyone's like, are y'all okay? Like, are we good? Um, do y'all need a juicy juice? Goddamn. <laughs> the audience is still wondering. But I, Marcy, <laughs> have a question. <laughs> Love that. What is your question? Okay, so in this book, um, the afterlife is kind of political. I know. It's shocker. We don't escape mm -hmm. politics and death. Oh there's God. corruption. There's bribery. There's money. <sighs> and there's also nine judges of hell who mm -hmm. decide whether or not you, I guess, you know, live a life or an afterlife of misfortune or if you get to go to like fun paradise land. Mm hmm. 
and they can also be bribed. So here's the question. I, wait, first, mm-hmm. what do you think the question is? Oh, um, I think your question is going to be if I were like, I'm thinking one of two things. Either okay, if you were to be bribed as a judge of hell, what would you like to be bribed with? Which is which would be kind of a take. Um, or I'm thinking your question might be like, if I were a judge of hell, like how would I assess people and decide whether or not I guess they live in misfortune or go to paradise? Damn, I really thought you were gonna say something like, I didn't think you were gonna guess. I was gonna say if you were a judge. That's exactly my question. You know me so well. Ah, I thought I, I when I was writing this, I was like, haha, I'm really going to fool Marcy. They're going to think I'm talking about like, oh, what happens if you go up to the judges of hell? But I'm going to switch it up and be like, you are a judge. And then you were like, um, clearly you're going to ask if I am a judge. <laughs> you know when like you think you're special and you're like actually just very readable? Oh my God, like, stop this. <laughs> stop. Stop this at once. <laughs> um, okay, so... <laughs> You are one of the nine judges of hell. Okay. Someone comes to you with a bribe, either to get out of judgment or get someone else out of judgment. Do you mm. take the bribe or no? <sighs> see, I would see this is really interesting because I feel like even as like zooming out of the situation, just being a judge of hell in general and making a like eternal decision on someone's like yeah. worthy like essentially what's gonna happen forever. I just feel like that would just be a degree of like power where I'm like, what makes me think that I am mm. equipped to even make this choice? Like I am clearly biased and have my own like purview and perspective that informs like how I envision everything around me to the point where I'm like, do I have the like, I don't know, like humanistic scope to really meet all types of people of all walks of life and just like decide, you know, like, like what's the best path. So I feel like that would be like a philosophical, like, I don't know, existential crisis, but assuming that I like got over that, or at least was like navigating that while being a judge of hell, (laughs) um, (laughs) it would depend. I think it would depend on like the, the nature of like the, the, either, I guess that person's situation or the, the person they're trying to save. Mm. For example, you know, if these people had done something just like, just like fucking awful like just i don't know just contributed to like i don't know mass war or like just something like just really egregious and terrible i feel like it's, in a situation like that i'd be like eh, it's it's a no for me um <laughs> but if it was someone that was like maybe you know and this is probably much more likely like say they made bad or like kind of sort of shitty decisions out of a place of like cowardice or like maybe they just like were i don't know i'm I'm just thinking about like i mean going back to like an office example like you were just like a really toxic shitty person to like be around um Mm. and like really like blocked people's like opportunities and things like that but like that came from like a deep-seated like place of insecurity or feeling like or like a scarcity mindset but like ultimately i mean like you, you yes you caused harm but like was it something that like ended someone's life or like caused massive trauma trauma could maybe but like you know like i don't know i guess situations like that i'd be like but see, if I give you, if I accept the bribe for you, I feel like I have to accept the bribe for like other people. Like, like a precedent has to be set here. I don't. Mm, it's a hard one. I don't know. I feel like I. I don't think I would. I. I feel like I would just be like. I don't know if there's like an in between of like oh complete misfortune or like <laughs> paradise. I'm like, is is there a space for like I don't know like restorative justice or like rehabilitation right, or like, right. i know something that's a little less punitive like something where it's like okay like 
maybe you made shitty decisions or like decisions that cause harm but like do i think that that means that you are now like i mean it's layers to this it's layers to this shit but you know i like to i at least like to think that people can change people can be forgiven people can you know like we can we can do better i mean frankly for most of us it, it requires like actual being confronted with like the the impact of our actions and our behavior to do so but like or at least the self-awareness to recognize that like a change even needs to happen at all but i mean assuming we could get to that point like do i want to just see you like i don't know like suffer misfortune eternally or do i just want to just see you make better decisions like i mean i would rather just have right. you a second so i'm like completely evading this question Mar- marcy what is your what is the choice um i would say no just on the on the sense of like this would be a choice that like i'd be feeding into the like you know Mm. financial inequity that already exists sort of i mean we'll we'll actually speak on this when we talk about the book but like the fact that like oh like you have the financial resources to give a bribe most i mean many people don't so like i would just feel shitty taking a bribe from someone regard like just and just being i don't know so i'd be like no to you girl but like I'm gonna be the judge that's like, hey, so like, restorative justice, ah. like what? Are, like what do we did that? <laughs> and then everyone's gonna be like, Marcy, like, I mean, actually, I, I don't know how they would react, but yeah, I feel like that would be like kind of my my team. Mm. What about you? What do what, what do you what do you think? Yeah, well, I first I think that's I mean you you could not take a bribe and still not be like a strongly judgmental judge. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like, I don't take the bribes because that feeds into a worse system. But also, I don't know if I believe we should judge people to eternal damnation altogether. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And it's interesting because you're kind of like, or I was like when I was reading this, I was like, you know, shouldn't the afterlife be a little bit more like understanding what the purpose of living was in the first place? You know, shouldn't it be an extension or a continuation of our expansive understanding and maybe like i I mean so there is a question of like i think for a lot of people right like what hurts a lot about the world is that there's never any justice so a lot of people die without any recompense and a lot of Mm -hmm. that well there's no such thing as bad people but people oh i guess it's dangerous to say bad people quote unquote because then you can dehumanize a whole group of people and that leads to Mm, right people doing quite bad things but um what was i gonna say i don't know you know the the idea that's i guess peaceful about an afterlife is that uh, answers will be given and people will have to come to terms with the weight of their actions whatever that is Mm -hmm. um but how people come to terms with the weight of the actions is i think what what is debated (laughs) i suppose in the different mythologies um Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, you're right, because our, 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 it's it's so interesting, like, what extends in our mind from the present human life to the afterlife. So, mm-hmm. I guess in a lot of, like, Judeo-Christian beliefs, this punitive hell sort of continues. Um, and if we've, like, read, in a lot of the other books we've read, you know, like environmental stuff and like the gods being petty and having like a pantheon (laughs) it continues in the afterlife you know so Mm. anyway it says a lot about us as humans okay yeah akko is also evading the question i would not (laughs) i would maybe i would take the bribe and then also just not do it and then use that bribe money to like help someone because here's the thing Mm. about being a nine judge of hell like 
and you give me some money. And what am I supposed to do with it? <laughs> right. I'm a judge. Like, I'm just sitting here with my very long robe, like, knocking my gavel around. Like, you can't, right. you know. <laughs> also, you don't know how long my, like, time is on this, like, bench. Maybe I'm here for eternity. What am I going to do with money for eternity? Get this money out right. of my face. I'll be like, give me that. Give me, give me, give me. And then I'll, like, be like, excuse me, who needs money for today? Here right. You go. Here you go. And I'll be like, this is counting against you. You're going to have to go do something with this. <laughs> You know, sew someone a, a shirt or something. Anyway, you know, so, I literally just had the image of someone handing you the bribe, you taking it, twirling 180 degrees, and then just like giving it to a mass group. Of I don't know why that was the image. Like you're like on like a some stage or something, you just throw it out into the crowd. Like I, just, um, I don't know. We're here, but um, I feel like it's you that's, and me. That's real. <laughs> Sorry, I just in my mind is you with me sitting on this like bench of other judges, and I'm like, there's a lot of corruption happening here, y'all. There's too much corruption, and then Marcy's like, have we considered restorative justice? And then the other judges <laughs> are like, oh my god, who hired these two? Like, <laughs> like how they like they oh uh, like I know we needed so, like some fresh faces, but what? <laughs> like, it's, like, it's like y'all really don't even match the profile of who we're looking for. Like, oh to god. be honest, like how do you fundamentally? disagree with the role that you are currently sitting in <laughs> literally in front of us but I'm okay dead. sis we're over here kikiing during the meetings like eating waffles and the other judges right. are just like Ex- excuse y'all you were already late to the meeting like what what's good anyway so. exactly people are like like just pouring their hearts out i'm just like pouring syrup like tacitly over pancakes and i'm just like oh my god uh, that's <laughs> wild wait what happened next and they're like are you paying attention anyway i just <laughs> Make it a sitcom, somebody. Oh, yeah, <sighs> I'm dead. <laughs> well, I guess I'm not dead. I'm technically super alive. Right. Uh, <laughs> I guess I'm eternal. <sighs> wow, love that. Anyway. Anyway, okay, so we're about to take a break. And when we come back, <laughs> we'll get into a ghost bride. Yes, sounds good. See you on a bit. <laughs> We are. Ooh. Sorry, we um had a silly conversation right before, so we might <laughs> chuckle a little bit. But um, yes, we are. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Although, okay, so this story. Um, actually, before we begin, trigger warning: there is, I guess, what could be considered suicide in the middle of this book. So, yeah, just be careful. Mm. Beginning. Our story takes place in British Malaya. Um, in a town called Malacca. So, a British Malaya, I'm not going to do a whole footnotes with Akko, but I'm going to do, like, I don't know, spark notes with Akko? Sure. Oh, um, we love it. <laughs> spark notes within a spark notes. <laughs> right, a spark notes within a spark notes. That's true. Ah, it's spark notes inception. Okay, not to get into it too much, but uh, our story takes place in British Malaya, in a town called Malacca. Now, British Malaya is kind of an interesting 
intersection of different places at a different time because it was it was like early 18th century. So it's an intersection of sort of Southeast Asia, uh, Northern India, and also kind of East Asia, right before the British came in and colonized everything. <laughs> um, <sighs> so before the British showed up, there was actually, it was actually, I, I would say it was part of the Silk Road, but it had like a lot of trade from Arabia and also trade from India. And so there was actually a lot of Muslim or Islamic influence. And so Malaysia actually today and Indonesia are both um, Islamic countries. So there's that influence. But before that influence, it was also a lot of Hindu and Buddhist influence. And during this whole time, there's been a lot of trade between like East Asia and the Chi- like the larger Chinese empires. And so what you see here is kind of an intersection of a lot of different cultures. Now, I know I'm not doing the whole thing justice. I know there's way more to the story, y'all, but this is a spark note, a spark note. So, you know, catch Akko a break. <laughs> Um, I just didn't want anyone <laughs> I just wanted you guys to know that this is actually a lot of cultures mixed in together and so the main character even talks about you know some of the Islamic influence on this Buddhist afterlife but also the Europeans and the Dutch I guess the Dutch are Europeans but the, the European influence mm-hmm. is also there because before the British showed up the Dutch were also there because Lord knows the Europeans that to colonize everything anyway but um, right. so what you're seeing is kind of an intersection of a lot of different cultures and also an intersection of a lot of different empires who are both in decline and also on the rise. So it's a really interesting story. But anyway, all that is less important to Lilan, who is an 18-year-old girl who lives (laughs) (laughs) with her father (laughs) and her ama. And her mother actually passed away when she was a child from smallpox. And that same epidemic left her father depressed, withdrawn, and covered in pock marks, and also mm-hmm. kind of addicted to opium, probably from the despair of losing his mm-hmm. wife. And yeah. because smallpox is a doozy, people don't really remember that because none of us were alive in the early 19th century. But smallpox, mm-hmm. it's not like the chicken. I mean, it is like the chicken pox if the chicken pox was 10 times worse. Anyway, so. Mm-hmm. That's why we get and, vaccinated for smallpox, y'all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, because because it matters. And this is, yeah. um, I'm not sure if you said this already, but um, this is in 1893, I think, mm-hmm. the story. Yes, okay. Yeah, yeah, good call. So Ama was Lilan's mother's nurse when she was younger. And she seemed to treat Lilan's mother like her own daughter. But then her mother passed away probably pretty young it sounds like around 18 which is the same year mm. that Lilan is now and so Amma kind of asked like her pseudo mother as well so the mm. book begins with Lilan's father smoking a pipe in his office and being like um hey kiddo and Lilan's like yes father he's like how do you feel about becoming a ghost bride to the late Lim Tianjing a young man from an affluent family who has recently passed away under a suspicious circumstances. Now, Lilan notes that post-mortem weddings are rare, but not unheard of, um, except typically mm-hmm. both parties are, you know, deceased. Um, <laughs> a ghost bride when one party is still alive is not as common anymore. So, you know, she declines as she does not want to marry someone who is no longer living. Um, and her right. father is kind of sarcastic and filled with dark humor. And he's like, it was just a joke. I would never actually suggest something like that. 
but right, like among- lol <laughs> right like oh you laugh a little too much Logan. right you you a little too comfortable but also <laughs> the scenery is joke. like very ominous like it's a he you know her, his father's kind of her father's kind of pulled away from the world so it's like this office that he never leaves and the room's full of smoke in my mind it's like full of smoke and she's standing there at 18 and it's like kind of an ominous dark joke and you're like eh and Ama mm. agrees. She's very upset that her father was talking about marriage to someone who's no longer alive because it's a bad omen. Plus, Ama wants Lilan to marry the alive nephew of the Lin family <laughs> instead. <laughs> Which you would think would be baseline. Right. Um, you would think. You would think. Oh, all the way, by the way, I do know people do marry someone after they've passed away, like, as like, like both kind of to make. A reconciliation thing and also because mm. of like insurance and right. um inheritance and whatever so we do understand that ceremonial kind of thing that's not what's happening here though so the Lim right. family rolls up um after akko gives her powerpoint presentation and disclaimer of what actually things <laughs> happen in society and they invite lilan over to play mahjong now lilan's like i don't know how to play mahjong and i was like is that relevant come on we're going so she and um uh, head over to the limb household which is very swanky very rich you know it's Ooh. and it's kind of a surprise to lilan because her family has kind of been in decline for a long time ever since her mother passed away and her father kind of let mm. um other business people ruin them basically so Madame Lim is actually pretty sweet. She says her and Lilan are distant relatives and seems to like take a liking to her. The house's third wife is also there, but not the second wife because she died of quote unquote malaria. Mm. So Lilan is eating all the snacks as you do when you've gone to a rich person's house who has lots of snacks. Um, But eventually she gets bored and excuses herself to go to the bathroom, which is code for I'm going to look around your very fancy house and see what I can find. Right. (laughs) <laughs> and so as she's doing that she <laughs> <It's> actually wild <laughs> right i was like ooh, i i was honestly kind of afraid i was like don't eat anything i feel like they're trying to get you to get i felt i was feeling very like um hades and persephilis i was like if you eat anything is that gonna cause you to like be married anyway mm. i was very suspicious so but lilan is far less suspicious than grown akko so she eats all the snacks <laughs> and then starts walking around the house where she bumps into a domestic worker who's working on clocks he doesn't seem very particularly interested in her but he is uh super cute so mm. later oh so so she goes back and Amma's like where were you and how come you were stuffing your face with all that food and Lilan's like I am unbothered mm. um, but she does ask about the second wife and what happened and Amma sort of was so halfway through the whole Mahjong game Amma went kind of to work talk to the people who you know the chefs and all the other people who do other stuff that make the house run and they were gossiping about what's going on and she explains that the second wife actually died to secure her daughter's marriage to one of the Lim children, family line, clan people. So mm. she basically said that she would haunt them. She committed suicide and then said she would haunt them if they didn't let her daughter marry one of the family members. So that's what really happened. So we're already seeing some ghost I- elements here. 
Yeah, what's up? I just wanted to note real quick. I literally read this. And like when you were like, okay, so like Ama was like gossiping. And apparently, and I literally leaned into the mic. I was like, Ooh, <laughs> what? And it's like, Marcy, you know the tea. Like, why are you acting like you like just like the way you delivered it? I literally leaned in. I just want I just wanted to, that to be known. Um, in case any listener also leaned in, um, I, I see not you. I, we, really, we validate that experience. Um, anyway, continue. I'm oh, sorry. Oh my God. I, I feel like anytime someone says apparently, you're like, Ooh, like, it's like, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god, especially when people are like, oh, uh, and by, oh, mind you, when, oh my god, when someone says oh my mind god. you, I am in the story. <laughs> I'm like, oh, mind like, me with what? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Or when people are like, now here's the thing. And you're like, oh, here's right. the thing. <laughs> Changes the whole game. <laughs> right. I'm like, wait, there's a whole other element to the story. Like, right. oh, wait, it's funny I, I literally do all of that. I'm like, mind you, uh, see, and here's the thing. And, and it, yeah, I very, yeah. So it's. Oh, so ooh. funny. <laughs> you do say mind you. That one, that that is, and when you do, I'm like, ooh, what, mind you, ooh, Marcy. I, I get anyway. <laughs> oh my God. So here's the thing. Later that night, Lilan <laughs> is sleeping, does not really think about anything. And then, strangely, Lim Tianqing rolls up in her dreams and he's like, yo, Lilan, nice to see you. Hi, how are you? Um, I saw you at the festival back when I was alive, fell in love with you, and I do think we should wed. Now, Lilan's like, mm. cool, cool, cool. Interesting proposal. This is a dream, noted. Also, <laughs> you are dead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that right. is something that's happening. And when she says that, all of a sudden, everything in the room kind of freezes, and Lim Tianqing is kind of like, oh, we don't need to mention that um, moderate inconvenience. And she's like, well, I don't know if it's a moderate inconvenience. And she's like, <laughs> we don't need like to talk a major about it. factor of like, <laughs> how you experience the world, but okay, sis. Truly, but uh, Lim Tianqing is like, you know what? I'll come back to talk to you about this. We'll continue. Clearly, your rejection means nothing to me. And she's like, I'm just going to hop out of this dream for a second and try to live my oh life. God. So, Lilan wakes up a little bit freaked out. Kind of like, um, oh, what was her name from Mexican Gothic? I was just about to say, um, Noemi? Yes, just like Noemi. Mm-hmm. She's like, Noemi's like sitting on the edge of the bed like, girl, you got a ghost. So, right. I know a little thing like- about ghosts. <laughs> She's like, I know as far as the t- conventional timeline, my story happens after yours, but this, I, a whole book happened to me, and I just need you to know that it's about to get weird. And Leanlon's like, I really like this like, POC woman solidarity, but also you don't exist yet, so I'm just going to keep going through my day. And Noemi's like, all right, kiddo, all right. So... Lilan is a little freaked out, not not merely because of the Tian Ching thing, but also because Noemi is speaking Spanish and suddenly she knows Spanish. Anyway, it's not that <laughs> but everyone insists she's not gonna marry a ghost. I'm actually, we <laughs> so it's all good. Oh god. Um, her she's like asking her ama, she's asking her dad. They're like, "You're not gonna marry. You're not gonna be a ghost, right? It's fine." So the limbs decide that they're gonna throw <laughs> another hoedown showdown. They're about to just turn up party <laughs> oh, oh, Friday showdown. night. <laughs> and at the party, she befriends the daughter of the second wife, you know, who died of quote unquote malaria, but not actually. And mm-hmm. she also meets her husband, the one who 
yeah, the rich man that she wanted to marry. Okay, there we go. So there's also a musician playing and the clock maker she met earlier is also a musician. So you're like, man, this Mary Sue character really be doing everything in this story. He makes clocks, <laughs> he, he makes, you know, he plays music. Uh, but it turns out he doesn't work for the family at all. He's actually the cousin of Lim Tianqing, Tianbai. And he and the second daughter's husband are cousins. There we go. So they also went to Hong Kong together to study to be doctors. But suddenly, mm-hmm. Tianbai was called back home before he could finish his studies. So mm-hmm. she meets him. He meets her. They talk about something things anyway after yeah. that whole <laughs> thing ends <laughs> Leon goes somewhat home. interaction like. right i mean i don't they don't have they're like clearly there's like i guess a meet cute happening and she was like you're the clockmaker and he's like i'm not a clockmaker at all and you know so Leon goes home after all this merriment and excitement and she has another <laughs> dream unfortunately <laughs> about Lim Tianqing and she's like yo I'm really trying to have meat cutes with the clockmaker. I'm trying to eat food at Lim's house I'm trying to not see you and he's like look I have all this food look at all this food she's like this food tastes like death Lim Tianqing mm. because you are not alive <laughs> right. and he's like why do you keep mentioning that and she's like he's like look have you considered just marrying me? And she's like, no, I'm waking I'm waking up now. I'm waking up again. So she wakes up, but later she looks in the mirror and she sees an image out of the corner of her eyes. So clearly, she is clearly being haunted. So now Leelon is afraid to go to sleep because she doesn't want to see. I mean, honestly, it's even less than it's is scary. Tian Ching is just kind of annoying. So she's like, oh, he's so annoying. So annoying. He doesn't seem like a good person. He's being very cryptic about why he wants her to marry him. She's like, Tian Ching, I don't know you like that. Like, it's not that serious. Meanwhile, there's kind of like a side plot where Leelon wins a needle threading competition at the Qi Shi Festival. Which is a festival that's held in like celebration of this sort of folk story about a cow herder and like a weaver girl who's from the sky. And I mean, to be fair, yeah, it's really cute. Except the cow herder does steal her clothes so she can't go back home and she descends down with her sisters, which you're like, that's that's awful. But then they fall in love or something. But she's like, I'm from the firmament. Um, I think it's going to cause problems. And it does because like you know, the star queen or whatever is like, yo, where's your sister? Like you, they, you went down with seven, you came back with six. What just happened? Right. So then, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so she does some stuff and she's like, she gets her daughter back. And then the cow herder is like, but we have two kids and we're in love. And so, but they can't see each other except for like one day every year where there's like a magical bridge made and the two of them can see each other. And even Leelon points out that this isn't the most loving of love stories since they never get to see each other, but literally the plot. And right. I'm always like, yo, kiddo. I mean, the story is like 300 years old. Can we keep even at this point? So can we keep a push? And she's like, okay. okay. <laughs> so. Anyway, she's doing this thread needle contest thing and she wins. And it's not that relevant, except one of the girls in the competition throws daggers at her and kind of looks at her suspectly. As with she, her eyes. Um, yes, with her literally. eyes. Not real daggers. Good call, Marcy. Good call. Good call. Just so we're clear. <laughs> Just so we're clear. They were not real daggers. So anyway, Leelon wins. She comes up on top. She's like, woo. Fire. And then yes. Bai kind of slips Leelon a little watch he made, which is very cute or whatever. Ooh. I know. But unfortunately, she's still having terrible genes with Tian Qing, who shows up and basically is like, you're marrying me. So Leelon wakes up distressed. 
she's even more distressed because her father is like, hey, bad news. I had set up a, a an arranged marriage for you since childhood, and it's kind of ruined because we have zero money and I'm a recluse, which happened because I'm depressed over your mother's death, which is understandable because there's really no therapeutic services. And also there was a smallpox epidemic, which I'm sure you know about that scarred my face and you know, there's not a lot of plaques of surgery now and appearances are probably pretty important to giving people first appearances. And mm. I also became very self-conscious about it. And I also, based on all these things, have had an opium addiction since you were four years old. Um, I know I never told you about this arrangement, but I was <laughs> oh kind God. of hoping the two of you would just like naturally fall in love, although the other guy does know about it. So is it really natural and it's kind of an asymmetrical information being passed to the two of you and it probably falls along patriarchal lines because you're a woman who's younger and he's a man who's older but it doesn't really matter anymore because that person's tm by and now since his cousin's dead he's the head of the house and we're way too poor for you to did you saw that house we're way too <laughs> girl we didn't hear that swanky house you don't have a chance she, he was like honestly he was like smoking his wife he was like honestly kiddo i'm sorry you really <laughs> have no prospects <laughs> like my bad <laughs> fuck and you're like, and Milan's sitting there like, so let me get this straight. I'm being haunted by Tian Qing's ghost, who is not the inheritor of the fortune, who now they want me to wear, even though he's not alive. And the person I do like, <laughs> Tian Bai, who gave me a watch and who is very much alive, I can't marry, even though I was supposed to. And her father's like, mm, smokes pipe, smokes pipe. Yep, uh, that, that thereabout does it, kiddo. And she's like, great. <laughs> Awesome. Wonderful. <laughs> well, so, rats. Like, rats. <laughs> <laughs> Do people actually say rats? Rats. When they were distracted? <laughs> that, is I, that has always taken me out. I've never, I've never. I've, rats has always been like the funniest expression. <laughs> it's anyway. true. It's such a hokey oh, expression. Anyway. <laughs> So after Leilon, (laughs) upon hearing that her life has basically gone to shambles, Leilon eventually tells her Ama about the ghost haunting and Tianqing in her dreams. And Ama's like, okay, we gotta go see about a medium because we can't, this is too much. So they head over to a medium and before they get there, they see kind of an oddly, or she sees an oddly dressed man, but she kind of pays him no mind. No one else does or she doesn't. This medium tells her to take some medicine. Again, no, uh, me standing right there like, girl, the medicine isn't going to help. And the medium's like, yeah, the that medicine's really not going to help. Uh, the medicine never helps, y'all. It's a haunting. It never girl, helps. No. <laughs> so she pulled, but she pulls her aside and says, you know what will help? If you burn some banknotes. Okay, so go home, burn as many of these banknotes as you can. And you're saying they're kind of like, does this woman know what's about to happen? And she said, I'm an old woman. Yes, I'm an auntie in the yes. village. I do know what's going to happen. You think you're the first person to come here for the ghost you're like the 15th person i've seen this week so lilan is like this is a lot of exposition again no means here i don't even know her like that so she goes home (laughs) she goes home takes the medicine and it sort of works she doesn't see tian ching but somehow he haunts someone or possesses someone or pays someone to throw pig's blood at her door and everyone is like oh my god i this is too much so Leland starts burning notes because she's like honestly this is just getting worse but Ama freaks out and she's like you are not dead you cannot know this is a bad omen and you learn that she's really freaked out because her mother died at the same age and she loved her mother so much and she's just really really worried and so she's like please don't please don't do that 
So Leland's like, okay. So she goes to sleep again, and Tianqing shows up again. And he, oh first God. of all, he has too much to say. He's like, haha, you didn't think I'd be able to throw that pig's blood at your door. And Leland's like, honestly, I don't care either way. I just wish you would leave me alone. And he's like, hmm, fair, fair, fair. Did you know that Tian Bai is actually my murderer? And she's like, <gasps> I know, gasp. Akko, Marcy. <laughs> Everyone, Otis the Pigeon, Emmett, Nomi was like, mm, I'm not surprised I saw that coming. And he's right. like, since I've been murdered and had an untimely death, I've been using both my family's wealth for the notes they burn, as well as my unjust death as leverage to get you, Lilan, to be my bride. And she's like, hi, that's you're using all your wealth and, and, and power in your unjust death. That's all you could think of. You didn't. Mm. You didn't ask for like a better reincarnation position. You didn't. You didn't want. Nope. An easier sentencing. No, you just wanted to marry me. Did I? Uh, I think you're you're a little misplaced. And Tianjin's like, don't question me. Also, she doesn't say all that. <laughs> so Leland's not doing great because Tianjin is literally messing up her dreams. So she's in bed and she's ugh, she's having a terrible time. And Tian Bai rolls up and she gives him a hair comb. And it's like a whole thing. And she's like, here, yeah. this is a hair comb for payment for the watch because you're actually going to marry the daughter of the Kwa family, which, if y'all remember, is the girl who pushed, or no, she didn't push her, who threw daggers at her <laughs> metaphorically. See, that's how rumors start. <laughs> she Fact. attacked me at the damn party. And it was like, girl, she looked at you She just a looked funny. at you like, funny. It's true. Come on. Like... <laughs> So, so she gives him a hair but or a, a comb, and then he's like, "The contract's signed, but we don't know what's going to happen yet." And Leilan oh is God. just too devastated, so she takes too much of the medicine the medium gave her and falls into a coma. I know, I know, I know. It was all because before this, Amon was the one who was preparing the medicine. Because Amon was like, "Look at me understanding the full breadth of what's taking place here." So I'm just gonna like. <laughs> Proceed with caution, but then, yeah, Lilan just took all of it, and, yep, we see the bullshit ensue. So, at this point, shit gets kind of wild. Ooh, it does, yeah. Yeah, so she basically, at this point, she's a spirit. Now, she's still alive. She's just, yes. she's in a coma. Um, but basically, the immediate next chapter is her watching her own body from, like, a spirit's point of view. Mm. And, like, she sees, like, her 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 father and a mom find her. She's like, what the, like, who the fuck is that? And then, like, she sees a doctor come. And she's like, girl, bro, who is this person in the bed? <laughs> oh, my God. And then she's like, wait, that's entirely me. Like, that's wild. So the doctor's like, okay, so, like, I'm a doctor, y'all. So here's, here's the plan. So everyone, like, gets in a huddle, except for Lilan, because she's in a coma. <laughs> and they're like, look, so one of y'all needs to feed her soup every day y'all need to massage her body i'm gonna come back daily do acupuncture and she's gonna be all right we just need to make sure that we like taking care of her she should be fine and her body is somewhat responsive here and there so there's there's hope but there is looking not not great mm. so leon's like wow like that's like i'm in a whole coma like that's wild um so she's like well i'm a spirit so i guess i'll just kind of see what's up Happening. so she like leaves her house which oh actually before that actually she actually did try to go back into her body like she tried to lay into her mm. body and stuff but she found that like it didn't it, it, she was still from the vantage point of a, of a, of a ghost or, or I guess yeah a spirit. and so i feel like she was like really... if i just jump in it'll just combine again like some freaky friday kind of nonsense and i'll be fine right and then her body was like oh no we're not that's not how it works and she's like damn it's not it's not happening um <laughs> 
So, so she's like, well, I mean, I ain't really doing shit, so I guess I'll just jump out of this window and explore the town, which I was just like, this is a little questionable. I think some of it might have just been because she's like, okay, I'm a spirit now. Maybe I can see what's going on with this whole, like, yeah. Lin Tian Chang situation and, like, investigate, but also I was just like... Well, didn't she also have the string? Didn't she also have, like, the... She found, like, the the clock that Tianbai gave her and there was like a string attached and so she oh yes oh my god you're so right yeah yes 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 yes. so like exactly that so yes so there was a thread that was connecting from the watch that Tianbai had given her that like led out of the house she was like well shit I ain't got shit else to do so let me just Mm -hmm. go out the window I'm over here like Leland's like Marcy tell the damn story right (laughs) I did not just jump out the window for no reason I'm like you right you right so she's trying to like basically see where the thread leads to because she's like well maybe this will help figure out the situation I can maybe learn a little about Lim Tianqing blah 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 now, quick, I, I feel like it'd be helpful to kind of like give a, like a quick overview of how the spirit world sort of Ooh, works, just because like it's going to get real, it's going to get real deep into the lore. So I just want to make sure that like things kind of make sense. So essentially, and Akko sort of alluded to all of this earlier, but basically what we know is that essentially the, I guess the afterlife landscape is such that like once you die, you you still basically carry the properties of like who you once were and essentially mm-hmm. um and Akko, please don't be enough if i'm like completely fucking this up but like essentially i want to say what happens is that basically the traditional path is that you're a spirit you go to, through a number of gates that have the nine judges of hell that essentially determine like what's going to happen with you as far as like if you're reincarnated or if you just go into paradise or if you're just like kind of face this more eternal sort of misfortune situation and that's like basically the trajectory, but in the interim, before all of those things, yes. there's also a place called the Plains of the Dead, where for folks who like maybe died an untimely death or like died unexpectedly, it's sort of like a like a, a space where they can like before going into that full transition, they can just kind of like exist for a little bit, sort of like transition into like mm. the afterlife, be in a space that's a little bit more familiar, um, and given the slow realization that they're no longer alive. Yeah, um, wasn't it Arlong who was saying like one of the characters was like. You know, honestly, sometimes it's a little shocking. You guys have a hard time doing this whole dead thing. So it's a little right. transitionary period. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that takes place in the Plains of the Dead. But otherwise, you would go through the gates. There's the plains, There's the Judges of Hell. And then that like kind of determines your thing. Now, also, too. So before... so. Apparently, there's a little bit of wiggle room as far as like how... Like when you go through the gates. Like some people, I guess, just go through immediately. Some people kind of like hang out for a little bit um because it's like it's the dutch i think the dutch guy was someone was saying that you're in the spirit world but this is like the end the tail end of life where you are now this sort of because we just assume if you die you're dead right we don't assume there's like a little bit after death you know like right so there's the spirit world where she's in now with all the or the ghost world where she is in now which is not Mm. the land of the dead and it's also not reincarnation and it's she's in a coma so technically she's not a ghost exactly yeah exactly so so it's so all yeah so all of that and the thing is so one quick thing before i continue so just like throughout like in i'm i'm not sure like how widespread but like in the community that like lilan has grown up in you know folks tend to offer like ancestral offerings so they'll Mm -hmm. like leave food out and like you know you know burn money things like that and essentially the idea is that like if you do that for someone who's passed on like they get they have access to those resources as a spirit and and Mm -hmm. we come to find out that like in the spirit world yes things like capital and money and things like that actually do 
matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and if you don't, if people don't leave out offerings for you, you can actually essentially starve. You don't die because you're already dead, yeah. but like you essentially kind of go on through the same physical atrophying and decay of someone who has is is deeply malnourished or starving. Right. So maybe you're afraid to to go to the ninth judges and die or be judged or whatever. Or maybe exactly. you're like, ooh, they're gonna they're gonna judge me quite poorly, but my family right. didn't send me any inheritance money. Whereas someone exactly. else is like Haha, I'm the worst. I'm literally the worst person, but I got all this wealth. I'm gonna bribe the the border guards who are actually just demons. And then I'm just gonna right. live out a like nice lofty life out back here, you know? Exactly. So. Chilling. Mm-hmm. So Chillin'. it's so that's that's kind of the landscape. That's kind of the landscape. I, I figure before I go in, I'm like, let's just explain how this works so that like, <laughs> folks are not like entirely confused. Um, there are other elements as well, but we'll get to that. So anyway, mm-hmm. so Lilan leaves her house. She's kind of exploring, trying to see like where the thread leads to. So she's in town, and so again, like she's she's in the same space that she was in. Just she just shows up, you know, as a spirit versus a person, and like. She comes across a hunger ghost who, again, is someone who hasn't been given those ancestral offerings, who's, like, super hungry, like, comes up and, like, kind of confronts her. And Lilan, like, offers him a little bit of money. But basically, he's, like, takes it from her. And he's, like, oh, my God, like, she got money. She got money. And all of a sudden, all these hunger ghosts just, like, come out of nowhere. And Lilan's, like, holy shit. So she's, like, trying to move on. She's, like, trying to escape people. It's, like, kind of chaotic. She's, like, terrified. And essentially, at this point, she kind of loses track of the of the thread that she was following because she was just trying to, like, escape this hunger gross barrage situation. So she's, like, well, fuck. Um, I guess I might as well just go to the Lim household and just kind of <laughs> see what's going on. Maybe see if I can figure out what's going on with Lim Tianqing and, like, maybe Tianbai will be there. Like, low-key. Like, I mean, I was just like, that's why. But, like, if he was there. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Uh, yeah. So she goes and she overhears some some domestic workers who work in the Lim household kind of just talking about the whole second wife situation. And they were like, um, or no, sorry. They, they were talking not necessarily about that, but they were talking about um, Lim Tiang Ching's death and how they were like, yeah, it was super weird. Like, he was like, he, I mean, he was, a, he was a total asshole. Like, just like the worst right. person. They're like, we but, hated like, him. Like, he was so annoying. Like, oh, thank God, low key. But, like, at the same time, like, he just died super mysteriously. Like, he was Mm -hmm. annoying as fuck and chipper one day, dead the next. And yet, the only thing that, like, was really weird about the space was that there was a single, like, Celadon cup that he would sometimes, like, drink tea from. And that was just weirdly missing after he died. So, like, Mm. we don't really know what's going on. It's a little weird. And, like, Lilan's, like, leaning in. Like, holy shit, this is is some (laughs) literal tea. And then Yan Hong is like, all of this must end. Like, y'all need to get back to work. Y'all both. Literal tea, I'm uh, dead. <laughs> so, so literally, Lilan's like, okay, Yan Hong seemed like a little disturbed just now. Let's just like see what's going on. So she like shadows her for the rest of the day. Um, Yan Hong is clearly like kind of, you know, a little anxious throughout the throughout the day. And long story short, basically, she f- sees that in her room, Yan Hong actually has the single Celadon teacup mm. that used to belong to Lim Tian Ching. Mm. So she's like, she's now she's looking at Yan Hong like, okay. Weird. Also, Lim Tian Ching said that Tian Bai murdered him. So who is it? Who right, is it? Right. So we, we all just like okay. Right. Lilan's like, oh, not me in the middle of a murder mystery. Like, mm. oh my god. So that's wild. Also, again, you know the 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 daughter. It's her mother who 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 died to secure her marriage, and so maybe there's right. some resentment there. You know, it wasn't like mm. a good situation that got her into you know because here marriage is. Well, I don't have to tell everyone about the historic use of marriage as like a capital of a kind, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. about 
you know, your positionality in life and having a better life. So it's not, you know, okay, Marcy, continue. Right. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So yes, so Lilan's like, holy like shit, like that's wild. But then all of a sudden she feels like really anxious. She feels like this oppressive force. She's like nervous that Lim Tianqing's coming back. So she's like, okay, whatever. Like I'm going to just leave the house. So she leaves. She's kind of like roaming the the town. She's like super hungry because like people don't really leave her offerings because she's not dead, but mm-hmm. she's still like hungry. So she's like, oh my God, like I'm like hungry as shit. And so she like goes to this like nearby house. She just literally just comes, I mean, I'm not barges in because she's a spirit. So she just like comes in, sees that someone left some like some rice as like an ancestral offering. And she's like, oh, just enough rice for me. <laughs> so she like, she's, she's like fucking up the rice. And then like, there's a, there's a ghost named Fan who shows up. Who's like, what the fuck are you doing? I know you're not eating my rice. And then Lila's like, like literally mid-shoe was like, oh my, girl, no. What? Just, like, she like puts the shit. rice back on top. Yeah. <laughs> literally wiping her mouth of a rice. She's like, oh my God. I, they, they got rats, girl. <laughs> literally a mess. Like, it's like, they got rodents. Like, it's wild in here. Um, so fans like, wow, like you actually suck. And so, like, um, weirdly, they, like, kind of become friends, and we essentially learn that, like... I don't know. Lilan seems kind of annoyed with fun the whole time, but she seems to be listening, like, out of feeling bad for, like, eating her rice. This is fair. This is fair. Um, so we learn that Fan is essentially, like, the the old lover of the, I guess, the, 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 the father of this household or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, they were, like... They were like lovers while they like, you know, she was alive. And then she basically was out to sea doing something and like the ship got like shipwrecked. So she like came back and has essentially been sort of like living in this house more or less for like like at least a couple decades. Like it's been like a yeah, minute. Yeah, it's been a minute. And well, also the thing pl- was mm-hmm. I, he, she was probably she says she was probably bur- had a proper burial, but they never told him. So he mm. they, their connection. She's got a little string thing, too. So their connection yeah. is is still there. And so that's how she's able to stay. Exactly. Exactly. And her plan is basically like, okay, I kind of just want him to die. And then once he dies, we can like go through the gates and all that and like do it together. Cause she's like, I don't want to do it by myself. Like, so let me go with my, with my boo or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so she basically continues their relationship in his dreams. So like, they'll like continue their, you know, affair in, in the dreams or whatever. And that's when we learn about the whole thing of like, okay, if you have a thread to someone or something that like points to the strength of your connection to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so Leland's like taking notes like, okay, but, but, but interesting, interesting, interesting. Because she's remembering like her thread with um, Tian Bai's watch. Awesome. So she can probably go into his dreams. Hint, hint. Exactly. So a seed is planted. Mm-hmm. So they like go for a walk. They're like, well, shit, we spirits. We might as well just go for a walk. And at <laughs> one point, Lim Tian Ching like shows up in a, what did they call the... It wasn't like a, I guess you could call it a carriage of sorts, but oh, there was a specific rickshaw? name they gave it. Yeah. I think it was, yeah, it was like a rickshaw or something. But basically he was like in it with like these. It could have been a the board. I don't know. It was a thing that was carrying him in it so he didn't have to walk. Basically. So he's like, so they see Lim Tianqing being carried by like these like border officials. Again, the border officials are essentially the ones who are supposed to like enforce, I guess, the rules of the afterlife. They're like basically demons and like super corrupt. We'll get to that. And they're, like, ushering him around. And so we're seeing Lim Tianqing, like, literally, like, superseding the rules of the afterlife because he has money. And it's, like, a shit show. And then, like, Lilan's like, holy shit. She's like, hopefully he didn't see me. Which, I mean, <laughs> girl's the ghost bride. Of course he did. I think it's a palanquin. The thing oh. that you carry people, right? Like, I think yes. there are people carrying him. So I think it's a palanquin. Anyway, that's... Yes, yes, yes. A side plot. Continue, please. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, no, you're totally good. So basically, Leland's like, wow, that was wild. Um, and then she like asks Fan, she's like, hey, so like, so 
I kind of want to go to the Plains of the Dead. Again, that's sort of like the transitionary space um, for folks who die more recently or sort of had an untimely death. She's like, I kind of want to go to the Plains of the Dead because I feel like my mom might be there because Ama always said that she might be there. So like, how do I get there? And Fan's like, okay, well, girl, you're going to need some money. You're going to need a, a form of transit. And you're going to need clothes. Um, mm. And Leland's like, how do I get that? And then she's like, oh, <laughs> the offerings like people have to give you those things and she's like okay interesting 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 so their interaction ends Leland just kind of is like walking about she like meets the the ghost of like a, a dutchman who died in malaya and was basically just like from that that conversation was low-key irrelevant but essentially well what we learn is that he was he the dutchman was like you might want to get back to your body because if you're away from mm. your body you're going to become more tethered to the spirit realm and then like it's going to be easier for you to die so yep. you might want to might want to head back. And Leland's like, You're playing too oh, many fuck. games, Ooh. little girl. It's like, it's like you. It's like, it's like, oh, you've been out here for days? Oh, honey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, sweetie. You, you may want to, you, you, you might have a chance of life. Yeah, you, you might want to go back. So she's like, bet, 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 bet. So she, so Leland starts heading towards her house. Um, she sees that there is a literal demon waiting outside <laughs> for her. She's like, so clearly I'm not able to go back is a demon outside right, so she's a, like well she's like fuck and then who like, she has probably been paid off by tian jing like exactly mm-hmm. so she literally overhears a conversation between the demons and they were talking about uh, precisely lin tian ching <laughs> so literally clearly he got he got real estate in this mm-hmm. motherfucker so um Lilan's like wow that's wild what am i gonna do and then like so okay so there's a guy named old wong who i guess is like their chef mm-hmm. i think they're cook yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Who um who comes out the house and goes for a little walk and Leland's like kind of following after him. She's like, Oh my god, old Wong, like please like address me. And then like he turns to her and he's like, What? And she's like, Wait, <laughs> you can see me? He's like, Yes, girl, I can see I knew I've been able to see you from the very start. Like, this is wild. And then he kinda of goes into this whole piece about like how like he's always been able to see like ghosts and spirits and like he had to like hide that about him because people like made it weird. And it's like creepy story where he had a friend as a child who was actually a ghost but it actually like worked out because they were able to properly bury him but she he was like but honestly it's not great this is not right. i don't trade in ghost knowledge i don't do ghost stuff honestly he kind of reminded me like of an african auntie who's like yeah 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 there's a haunting but we don't do that here <laughs> like, we just we don't we, do we that. don't you're gonna cause problems and that's what he says he's like Leland, go back to your body. <laughs> like right. she's, he's like, go home. <laughs> you are playing a game. Um, yeah. But he is able to kind of give her some offerings and things like that, just so she's a bit more like she has more resources while she's like kind of trying to wait out the whole like you know demon sighting. Mm. Um, so at this point, she's like, "Well, girl, I can't go home because it's a demon outside." So she's like, "What's Tian Bai doing? Like, let's right. let's pay him a visit." So she like goes to him, and uh, I don't know, whatever. He's like, he's like sleeping. So she like goes into his dream, and she like sees him with some of his old friends in Hong Kong, and like there was like a girl. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I don't know yeah, if this whatever. Is, I'm I I do think I'm gonna say there's a girl named Isabel who's very beautiful that Tian. By seems to have like a little thing for i don't know if it's relevant to the rest of the story i don't know if tm is evil or not but we're gonna tell you just so in part two we could tell you if it was necessary or not so we continue. love that we love that exactly precisely <laughs> so 
that's happening. Lilan's like a little jealous, but basically she like manipulates his dreams. So it's like them in a room alone and they're like talking and Tian Bai is like, I know that I'm supposed to get married to this daughter of the Kwa family, but like it's always been you. You always been number one. Like right. it's me and you. And like, Lilan's like, Isabel? it is us. And, like <laughs> Isabel's like, I guess I'm no longer part of this it's narrative. Um, <laughs> then they start like, just like ferociously making out. And I'm like, holy. Yeah, it's so intense. it's just a whole... It's like really intense. Uh, just almost like it was. It was. It was. It, it was, was a giving lot. me um, Cyrus Sotawala vibes from. Per- it like, was. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Praveen mystery. Which um, Praveen's on in this book. Yeah. Though. Exactly. Not what is Malbar Hill? Check that out. Yeah. Check out that mm-hmm. episode too. But um. But yes. But basically, so it was giving that, and it was like, ooh. Wow. So Leland's like, wow, that was that was something. But before she leaves, she's like, hey, by the way, can you just like burn a picture of like a horse for me? Because she's like trying to go to the Plains of the Dead. And Tian Bai's like, why? And she's like, well, I can't tell him I'm trying to go to the Plains of the Dead. So she, like, says some other shit. And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 that's cool. Because, like, she's like, you know, oh, it'll help with, like, me coming back from this coma or whatever. And she, he, and he's like, bet. He so doesn't like, entirely cool. believe her. But, I, I mean, they just finished making out. So he's like, I guess I'll burn you a horse. Like, right. It's, it's, <laughs> it's like, whatever. <laughs> so Although basically. Although um, make out in a dream. I mean, apparently they were able to touch each other. So I guess. I, look. Like, oh, I've definitely made out with people in dreams. Yeah, sure. But I fair. Yeah. And I guess it seems very realistic in the dream. So I guess, yeah, it's fine. Okay. Continue. Good call. Totally <laughs> <laughs> cool. But um but no, basically, Lila- <laughs> <laughs> right. So Lila's like, wow, that was like a wild makeout. Like, oh my god, Tiamba is so damn cute. And then um, so she's like walking down the street, just like in her head and feelings about the things. And then she sees like the weird guy from like when she um went to go see the medium or whatever. Um she also saw him uh, again, like when she was at Lim Tian Ching's house earlier. But basically she sees him, she's like, he looks weird. So I'm gonna just like follow after him real quick. She follows after him. They kind of get into a conversation. His name is Erlang. And basically, he's he's a border official of the afterlife. So, mm-hmm. yes. And he's, like, explaining how, you know, there's a lot of corruption in the afterlife with, like, a lot of the guards and a lot of the judges of hell. And that basically, like, with corruption and that kind of imbalance in the afterlife, it actually leads to calamity in the real, li- in the real mm-hmm. world. So, like, things like volcanic eruptions, like, earthquakes, like, things like that, like, happen in part because of the, like of corruption, rebellion, revolt, just chaos happening in, in the afterlife. It feels a little Grace of Kings. Yeah, basically. And so he's like, yeah, so Lim Tianqing is literally causing a cyclone of bullshit. So, mm-hmm. like, I'm trying to, like, get him chopped and, like, have this end. Um, and he's like, hey, so, by the way, the way that you're probably going to make it back into your body is if you can essentially bring up a case against Lim Tianqing and prove to one of the judges of hell that he, in part, was the reason why you overdosed on the whole concoction situation. And then they'll give you sort of a, a, I guess, a judgment or whatever that would allow you to go back into your body. So you need to bring up a case against him. And then Leland's like, please, so I'm, like, literally a detective? And he's like, correct. <laughs> so... That happens. Um, Leon's like, cool, cool, cool. That's wild. Um, you want to help me? And he was like, huh? And he just like evaporates. And she's like, oh my God, of course. Uh, men. So she goes back to Fan and she's like, hey girl, like I'm trying to go to the Plains of well, the Dead. Well, he does give her a shiny rock. Oh, yes, he does. He does give her a shiny rock. Mm-hmm. I, that is a actually pivotal detail. Yes, he gives her a shiny rock. And he's like, if you ever need me, just like do something with this. And this he just rock. like hands it to her. And she's like, ah, yes, 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 of course. So he leaves. She's like, bet. So um, also she like gets a horse because like, I guess Tian Bai like drew a horse and like burned it. She's like, ooh, Tian Bai gave me a steed. <laughs> so she goes to Fan's house and she's like, hey, Fan. And Fan's like, Dad, you got a horse? Like, ooh, what? She's like, how can you she's give like, me yeah. one? Like, what? Right. Like, I've been haunting this motherfucker for 50 years. I don't have a damn horse, but basically. He's got some um, rice 
anyway. Right. So that that's it. So regardless, she's like, yeah, so you're trying to go to the Plains of the Dead? And um, Fan's like, yeah, girl, of course. So they go to the Plains of the Dead. And it's like, so when they get there, it's a little interesting because Fan sees this like beautiful, idyllic, like just like iconic scene. And like what Lelon sees is like kind of a looks kind of desolate, kind of dry, not looking great. Um, a little scary, actually. But um, yeah. I, which it kind of points to the parallels of like, okay, if you're actually dead versus if you're still alive, like you're kind of you just experience the this realm differently. Mm-hmm. So they get there. Um, they have like a scary sighting. Um, this is basically where part one ends. But essentially, fan explains like, oh yeah, I'm like kind of also nervous about going to the whole judges of hell situation because like. Low key, my lover, like I've been kind of sucking out his life force because I like kind of want him to die sooner, and I feel like they're gonna clock me. It is gonna be a shit show. And Leela's like, I mean, I don't disagree that that's gonna be a shit show. <laughs> that is actually awful. And she's like, yeah. But I think this is where the summary ends, and then Leela's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can continue the conversation <laughs> later. So that's where we stopped. And here we are. So, yes. So that's part one of The Ghost Bride. Thank I'm you all dead. for listening and being so patient. Let's take a break. and we get back, we'll get into our uh, thoughts and uh, feelings. And we're back. We are. Woo. So, yes, this is the <laughs> creepy, haunting, kind of fun. It's a little bit of a mystery detective novel now, actually. Um, like Slick. Yeah. Um, I, but I do like the story. I I think it's, I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. Mm-hmm. And I also, to be fair, I listened to it. I didn't read it. It's as an audio tape. And I really like the author's voice as she reads it. And also the descriptions are a lot of fun to hear. It's like very descriptive mm. and you can kind of picture it in your mind. I like this kind of creepy, haunting, middle colonialistic time period where they're kind of talking about the buildings being in a bit of decay already. Like the Dutch mm. had come, the British had come, but now things were slowly becoming dilapidated. So what you're seeing is this sort of like it's haunting but also it's haunting in the way that like colonialism is haunting and it's mm. kind of scars are left over. So that mm. was really interesting like the aesthetic of that. I liked a lot of the intersectionalities that you saw. Like they talked a lot about, you know, before the British showed up, like, you know, the, the Chinese empires were very influential here or the Thailand empire, which I think it's used to be called Siam, mm. like empire was very influential and how like, oh, you know, the Chinese empires could have done more colonization, but the British ended up being more like, you know, there's just like, it's just, I like it because it reminded me that this like age of empire thing has been going on for a really long time. And mm. there were empires before the, the British and the Western empires. And how did that influence things? And how did that change stuff? And how did that involve trade? Because a lot of, they talk about like, oh, a lot of people from mainland China came in to do trade in Malaysia and there's like native Malay people. And so it's like an interesting hodgepodge that I'm not as familiar with. So I really enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. I feel like the father's story is like very realistic and depressing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, I, cause at first I was like, man, dad, you're kind of screwing up your kid's life here. And he's like, Akko, I know, but Mm. smallpox and you know, the invariability of trade and the early 19th century and, 
you know, cap the rise of capitalism. I'm like, yeah, you're right. All these things and are very difficult. So I found that very realistic and, and I like right. that. And I like that it had actual consequences for his daughter, which she's now dealing with. And her sort of change in station is difficult for her. So I thought that I really liked that kind of background. Mm. What else did I really like? I like this whole spirit realm thing. You just mm. like, I didn't expect it to go this way. I was like, wait, she's in a coma. I was like, what? what? Where does this? I flipped. I literally flipped through the book. Like, yo, we got three fourths of the book left. Not even half. Right. Three fourths. <laughs> but it's kind of cool to see the world from kind of a ghostly perspective as opposed to the human one. So I, I found that pretty interesting. Um, yeah. What about you? Yeah, I I agree. I, I feel like so this book is really interesting because I felt like as I was reading it, I was like, what the fuck is going on? But then like what actually sitting down and like, you know, writing out the notes, explaining it like I was like, oh, like this actually like once I like solidified the things. I was like, okay, like I like I, I see I see what's going on here. And there are a lot of elements of this book that I similarly also kind of like. I like the ancestral like offerings and veneration and just like that like that cultural element that's like really integral to the story like i love that this like it's li- it's pivotal to the plot here mm-hmm. i feel like the that exploration is really really interesting so i really enjoy those pieces i feel like in some ways like it's like the story i mean yes the con like the, the, this is like, like this is like a like a high stakes situation like it really is it really is but like somehow reading it it doesn't always feel like that and mm-hmm. i kind and i actually don't mind it like you know, the whole thing with, I don't know, Tianbai and Lilan, like, making out of shit. And he's, she's like, oh, my God, I have a horse. Like, it's just, I don't know, it just feels very, like, I don't know, like, it's just, like, yes, it's high stake. Yes, everyone's, like, kind of terrified. But also, like, it feels, like, I just feel there's, like, a, it feels like things are going to be okay for some reason. And maybe, I don't know, maybe yeah. we'll get to part two and I'll be like, actually, maybe Oof. everything's, like, aggressively not okay. <laughs> but, like, right now I'm reading it. I'm like, okay, this is, like, it's definitely nice to kind of, like, have this energy. And also, like, you know, I feel like Lilan as a protagonist is very... In some ways, can be a little frustrating, but like ultimately, I'm just like I don't know. I, I do sort of like um, sort of her exploration of of the space, and I, and I like that. Just yeah, like I, I to your point, I, I really enjoy sort of seeing how she shows up in the spirit realm, how she thinks so much about her mother, how she's I don't know. I just feel like the 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 dynamics and the relationships in this book are kind of sort of compelling in to to that end. I will say some of the like the whole Tian Bai situation like like I get I get it like romance or whatever but like they don't, they really don't know each know other, each other? That no, they well. don't and so sometimes I'm like Lilan's actions I'm like um y'all really had like two conversations no shade two and it a really half wasn't really that much mm-hmm. but um but even with that it's just like you know but also too Lilan's like you know she's like 18 and this is like the first time she's ever really experienced this type of thing so I feel like I don't right. know as someone who's like you know like 10 years older than that like it's just like it's nice to kind of i'm like okay like let, let, let me let me let me like offer some grace here you know leland's not my age you know it's <laughs> like the first time i was like really infatuated with someone i also was you know it, it can be a very like overwhelming like, energizing or stimulating experience and so like like i get it you know so like i don't know i feel like there's something about this book that like feels i feel like i'm learning a lot of elements to your point as far as like cultural pieces and just like around like that time period i will say i do think the for me, the author does a really good job of like explaining a lot of things, but I also almost kind of wish that she didn't because like in, in the way that, for example, I think about like, you know, Widows of Malabar Hill where like, you know, Pervian would just talk about like the names of food, the names of clothing items, like whatever. And like, there was no description. Like, it was just like, it's like she would just, it was just normal. Like she would just talk about the things. And it was just like, 
whatever. And like, if you just, if you just didn't know what that thing was, you just had to look it up or like whatever. And I kind of liked that it forced the reader to do a little bit more work. Um, and at the same time, decentering like sort of like whiteness or like a more, I don't know, like whatever Western type audience. Um, so I think that's something that I, I, I appreciate how descriptive Chew is, but sometimes I'm like, I feel like the reader could do a little more work here. Like, I don't think you have to explain, for example, that, yeah. like, you know, Lilan called this older woman auntie because that's considered a sign of respect. I feel like we, that could have just been exemplified and, like, not explained. And, like, the reader would just have to catch up, you know, if they didn't yeah. understand what that meant. There's, like, there's, like, a term for that. Like, when you, I can't remember what it is, when you, like, culturally explain things. And you're right. It's people choose to do it in some books and people actively choose not to do it in other books. And some people are like, I didn't actively choose or not choose. That's just how I wrote the book. But right, fair enough. But you're right. Like it does. It, it it tells you like kind of who the audience is, right? Like you, it mm. feels like there's a need if you have to write this and you're trying to make it palpable to a certain audience, which isn't necessarily bad, right? It just it gets to a different point. And I think, especially for us when we're trying to be like less colonial or see things through a less colonized lens, we're like, no, we'll mm. just do the work. I don't think everyone does the work though to be honest with you and yeah you probably they probably should but anyway then you get into like who are the editors who are like no you have to explain this mm, and they anyway right. it's like, but you mean yeah all that shit yeah. yeah but you're right it it can take people out of the book and people have talked about the pros and cons of this so you're not alone of course marcy the scholar has hit upon a great point once again <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh thank you Fran. thank you but um but yeah but i i like it i have some some i guess more philosophical things i wanted to to bring up but um yeah as far as overall thoughts that's just yeah that's kind of where where i'm at yeah i t- also to touch on your point about um her not really knowing tm by i agree she doesn't really know him that well but i also was thinking about it as marriage as capital you know there's also like a mm. level of kind of I kind of touched on this earlier, not as eloquently, so y'all have to excuse me. My eloquence this time around is lacking. But I think there's something to be said about, right, like her family's desolate now. She she talks about how like little agency she has to even like walk around. Mm-hmm. Apparently you actually do need like someone to accompany you, but mm-hmm. they don't really go into it that much. But anyway, but she hasn't, and even besides that, like she she's never gone to Hong Kong, like Tian Bai and his cousin, like she's never had those experiences. And so I think she doesn't feel like she has a lot of agency. And mm. I, I feel like the marriage is also part of that is like having a better life. So there is that element. And then there is a part in the dream where she was like, I did expect Tian Bai to understand where I was coming from more, but he like really didn't. And I was like, yeah, because you guys don't really know each other. And I was like, I'm not, right. I'm also not entirely convinced he's not a villain. Like, I, I don't know oh, why. At all. I like, yeah, at but. All. Yeah, it's giving that. It's very, Tian Bai yeah. is not, I'm, I don't trust, I do not trust him. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't trust um, Tian Ching either. So I don't know what his motives for blaming Tian Bai are but maybe it is a gray area situation like maybe Tian Ching is kind of a jerk but maybe Tian Bai yeah. isn't exactly a saint either you know I'm, I'm hoping that yeah. her story is that like she doesn't have to marry anyone she just goes on a boat to Hong Kong or something but um, mm. I did want to ask you like how did you feel about this sort of corruption and you know the sort of very earthly thing kind of transiting mm. to the afterworld where there's judges and border patrol and all that i i'm I'm really glad you brought this up because this is is what i wanted to talk about later (laughs) i really struggle with it 
I was like, I cannot believe this shit. I was like, you, t- you, so you were telling me that even after life, there's a system of financial capital corruption, power imbalance, like it, like the same inequity and like bullshit is still right a thing. Like I, I really struggle with that because I, I don't know, I, I, like, and this, I don't know, maybe this is like going really deep here, but like I kind of find like the idea of like living a life dying and then just becoming energy that just like expands into like sort of a great oneness like that is ideal to me (laughs) like Mm. just like where i just completely dematerialize and just become specks of the universe like that's sort of like an ideal kind of situation for me and so to and and even in even if that's not like someone's exact image like i i feel like the idea, more or less, is that, like, okay, even after life, regardless of, like, how we showed up in life as, like, I don't know, a person, a plant, like, whatever the f- a fly, <laughs> like, whatever the fuck we were, like, there's an equivalency. There's, like, a there's a oneness that, that everyone yes. holds. There's, like, a very clear, like, okay, nothing is better than anything else. We were all just together in concert existing until we did it. Like, that's my, that, like, philosophically, that's kind of how I approach this, and that's how I envision sort of like an afterlife experience and so seeing not only was it like okay like there's corruption and there's bullshit and there's inequity but also too i remain the same person like i don't want to be marcy when i die like i want to i don't want to be this person i I just want to be energy like which maybe there's something to unpack there but i feel like that's something that like i was just waiting right yeah, I was like, wait, wait, I was like, wait, what do you mean that you're still just a person with the same name, with the same attachments to life? What? Like, I was like, wait, so life just doesn't end? Like, mm-hmm. oh god. So I was just like, I am. Well, to be fair, we, they <laughs> they didn't go through the the doors of reincarnate. You know, like true, very true. So maybe when you get there, you can be like, um, I would like to put in a request to become beams of stardust, and everyone's like, okay, mm. okay, that is an option. Um, you sure you don't want to try right. reincarnation? No, no, I'm good. You know, I've done a reincarnation a couple of times, and like, okay, well, you know, uh, to be honest, you learned all your earthly lessons. So if you want to just like turn into right. star beams, you go for it, kid. Or you're like, all right, thanks. Right. You know, it's I don't like, know how <laughs> the vapors of Jupiter. It's like, yeah, right. that's fine. Like I'm like that would uh, great. Like, Ooh, Jupiter, <laughs> Jupiter has a long waiting list. How do you feel about Saturn? Uh, right. <laughs> I mean, Jupiter's already kind of big. Like, does does it need to be bigger? And I'm like. I'm sorry, it's not my... Y'all's <laughs> not options my. on the website said Jupiter, vapors of Jupiter were an option, so I, I don't see what the issue is exactly. And they're like, we have a lot of space on the rings of Saturn. How do you feel about Saturn? <laughs> it's like, I don't want the damn rings. <laughs> but um, yeah, so basically that's sort of... um, Yeah, so I, I, I really struggled with that piece because in essence, I think what that communicated to me was that like, I mean, just... All like, so many aspects of our lives are just completely arbitrary, right? Like the class privilege that we inherit and shit like that. It's like Lim Tian Ching has done nothing to like deserve no. this degree of leverage, and if anything, is just demonstrating how pernicious and awful this kind of access can be. When even it's, like, in the afterlife, even in the afterlife. So it's like, so you're telling me that in life and in death, because of some random arbitration of just who we happen to be, when he could have, let's be clear, been literally anyone else or nothing at all, mm-hmm. somehow affords him specifically the ability in like exercising the same like patriarchal privilege and all that shit like he just gets to exist like this and everyone else just has to yeah so i was like this sucks um <laughs> basically I... is how i thought I'm about dead. it I do what did you think <laughs> i just thought you're like this sucks <laughs> <It's funny. laughs> um i was gonna say that it does you know how we think of the dead tells us how we think of our own society right like we project mm-hmm. life I don't know if you can anthropomorphize the whole spirit world, but maybe we do anyway. But 
you know, how we think about death thinks about talks about how we think about life and how we imagine social hierarchies and orders. Because we think mm-hmm. in a way that how we do things is how everything's done forever into eternity and antiquity, and that justifies doing whatever we did here, right? Mm. So it is interesting to see sort of the social norms kind of transcend life in a way that's saying like life and death are not necessarily a dichotomy. Um, and by t- dichotomy, I mean, there's maybe no, there's no duality there. Our lives mm. are our deaths. And in a way they are because once death isn't tied to life, death becomes something else. Like, you know what I mean? The afterlife is something else entirely, right? The afterlife right. is only relative to life. So I think that's what the connection here we're talking about. Like ghosts only exist in relativity to humans. And that's kind of what Fawn is talking about when she's like, I don't want to get lost. If I like lose the string, you know, I'm going to disappear, right? Because you become less and less tied to this world. And therefore, Mm. an afterlife as a concept kind of disappears. But while that concept, that orientation towards life exists, I've never thought about it like as a physical place. Or I've never thought of, again, like I was just like, well, when you're dead, you're just dead. (laughs) But (laughs) this idea of this sort of, well, maybe what is dead <laughs> again i don't mean to be that kid in that college class who raises her hand because they didn't read the book and goes but what is the plot and the professor's like there you go you know jamal thank you for bringing that up let's get into that and everyone's like jamal you didn't even read <laughs> like, it's like jamal do you, do you have any thoughts or did you just yeah. want to ask a needlessly vague question that like has this pseudo intellectualism behind it right to just be like i just i'm just i'm curious where um, the ideas will fall on this question here. And it's like, right. what is a plot? Is that really, that's your contribution? Wait, you getting the same discussion points as me? Bitch, how do we get the same grade in this class? I am actually, right. I hate it here. You look over and at that's Jamal. the type of inequity that we're getting in the afterlife. Like, ugh, Jamal still is out on top. Like, Can I hate it. Can you imagine there's a, 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 like a afterlife university and you're like, Jamal's playing like a spiritual Tetris. He didn't even do the reading. Anyway. Literally playing chess with y'all y'all are not creative, whatever. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I did find that I, I, I just find it's to think about, you know, the, the connection of life and death and, and sort of the, and I don't know, to give sort of like space for, for the living to affect the dead and, and also for the mm. dead to affect the living. Right. Cause obviously there's something with the second mother who, where death is affecting those who were alive. And, and this, the fact that there's even a ghost bride concept, you know, like, right. Again, kind of like says that dichotomy isn't always what we think it is. Right. And, and I like that because I do think we're all under a very kind of post enlightenment era that, that kind of makes death in life, more specific right like they're Mm. very specific times like this is when you're born and this is when you die and we know this because Mm. you stopped breathing and we know this because you started breathing you know but then it's like okay well what does it mean to be in a coma for so long what what is that experience what is that sentience like what is that sentient experience i'm sure someone who's been in a coma can be like nah kiddo i didn't go in any ghost world there was no strings or nothing but but I do, I also, I do like, I think she's getting the agency to travel around as a spirit that she doesn't have in real life, which Ooh. I really like. Um, mm. I, the corruption part, I don't, I guess there's something here to, it feels like to me about colonialism, but I'm gonna wait to part two because I feel like I'm not sure. 
<laughs> there's something here about <laughs> empires and colonialism and i mean just like in the way of like the dilapidated buildings and the and the you know whatever trade ship trade or whatever but i don't know i feel like i'm kind of reaching so um mm. <laughs> yeah i definitely think fun just to touch on the point about fun her it's interesting to see because I think from the human perspective, Fawn is pretty evil. Like, right? You would be like, oh, that's an evil yeah. spirit and you need an exorcist. But when you're with Fawn, you're like, it, it was just interesting to see ghosts as not as horrors, but as longing. Mm. You know, people, uh, entities and spirits who didn't get everything that they, you know, you're very, it feels almost sympathetic towards them. Like, yeah. Whereas when we see it from the alive perspective, it's a haunting. But right when you see if it, if they're also sentient, I mean, again, whatever if we're talking about ghosts. But if you think about the sentience, quote unquote, of a ghost, with their own motivations and desires, and their loneliness and their fears, and and if you are mm. at that point after death, just your feelings and fears and longings, like I don't know, there's something I'm very sympathetic to it a little bit. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm I'm really glad you said that because I I agree, and and I feel like that idea that like every ghost or every spirit is like haunted evil out to get you. I feel like that's a very colonial way of thinking about it. Um, and I, I, I like the idea of like exactly to your point that like, you know, if we're in, if, if folks are invested in the idea of believing in like spirits, ghosts, things of that nature, like in some ways it, it, it's, it's depressing to extend humanity onto them because it's like, damn, like I was hoping that all of the like errors of humanity would be erased in the afterlife. But in a way it's kind of cathartic because it's like, oh, like there's like an actual, there's a reasoning behind your behaviors. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like to your point, Fon's not doing this for no reason. Like there's, there's, there's a reason. And it's like, yeah, this is like, I mean, it's pretty fucked up, but it's also like, there's a rationale here. I feel like right. there's. There, there's a grace they were able to it's not like a needless violence right it's not like you know this idea that like oh ghosts are in a realm that like maybe we don't have access to so they're just gonna like needlessly cause chaos and violence and like everything's just gonna be awful it's just like what whose inclination would that be right <laughs> to like just be like i'm gonna senselessly just cause violence because i can like right it's just giving very colonial tease um so. right it, it's like it's kind of like the way there are so many things that like the colonialists would like come in and be like, I don't know through the Judeo Christian lens. I feel like that's just evil and demons. Right. And you're like, okay, wait, hold on. I, you're putting a real moral tint on something real quick. Can we take a second to look at the nuance complexities? Right. And the colonialists were like, um, no, <laughs> we're colonizers. <laughs> Did right, you see the paperwork? We don't care. <laughs> Y'all um, aren't people to us. <laughs> right. What? Take oh your folklore to, seriously and looking at its nuanced ideas of life and death. Why would we do that? Anyway, but I, I do think, yeah, to your point, like if you extend quote unquote humanity, I guess, into the spirit world, it, yeah. it just, it's just an interesting way of, you know, of, of, like you were saying, like a pre- a pre-colonial idea of what life and death really means, and where it ends, and mm-hmm. where it begins, and how we we talk to each other, and in a way, you know, we're always having conversations with the dead. Like I think we said this in Stone Sky, like we live and we live in a dead civilization, just like everybody else mm-hmm. lives in, in the shadows of a dead civilization. And in a way, that's kind of the go- ghosts haunt our present life, not you know. I mean, maybe you you got a real ghost. I don't know if you got a ghost, but I'm saying like we <laughs> live <laughs> in the in the shadows of those who've passed before us anyway. So, right. like the Dutch man, right? 
is only there because the Dutch actually came and that happened in the past, but that colonization mm. is still there, right? Like, right. yeah, the mixture of like Islam and Buddhism and Hin- Hinduism and the different people is all, you know, not a haunting, but a remnant of a past existence. So the right. whole, it's just interesting that we we separate the real world from, you know, the past that still makes up the whole thing. So, mm. yeah. Um, if you're like Akko, <laughs> I don't know. It's feeling very college classroom to me. I don't know about all that. You know what? Like we're all friends me? with Jamal. Um, <laughs> Were you all also playing Tetris? <laughs> like, <laughs> Did, y'all like... <laughs> Did y'all read the book? Did y'all read the book? You can add me at the color pages or, well, you can add both of us at the color pages on Twitter. If it's up, who knows? <laughs> or at instagram at these color pages if that's up too who knows also if none of those are up everything's down you know chaos email us at these color pages at gmail.com and if that's down honestly y'all it's an apocalypse so but right. as long as everything's still up and you're still looking around for fun things to do you can also go to these color pages.com and see what we're up to and you know shoot us a little message look at a little home page yeah Definitely, definitely. And of course, if this show brought you any love, light, delight, mm, yes, please feel free to leave us some love wherever you're listening to this podcast, which could be Apple Podcasts or not. So just let us know. Also, feel free to leave a comment, a rating, review. Um, we love to get any sort of like engagement and things like that. And also, too, if there's anyone in your life that you're like, you know what you need? Hearing about, I don't know, Jamal like playing Tetris, you know, I don't know, hearing about like <laughs> Lilan getting a horse from her man, like, I don't know, like, just whatever this episode was. Um, feel free to just like let them know, send that along. And also, too, we appreciate any and everybody who has ever at any point engaged with us, listened to a thing that we have said. Literally ever. Um, reached out, right, literally ever. Like, reached out to us on social media or sent us an email or just even just like, passively had a like i don't know like a synapse was like huh color pages book club that's a show that exists and like it's like yeah like even if nothing happened afterwards thank you for just thank you at any point considering us in in your lives in your days because we know that there are so many other things that you can be doing so we really do appreciate Mm -hmm. the interaction and the engagement um so yes so next time we'll get into part two of the ghost bride we'll finish up the shit and see what happens but between now and then akko are there there anything else is there anything else i should say uh that we want to leave our listeners with before before we head out no just until we see you next time just remember to stay, stay colorful, colorful.